0: This is episode 019 of the Reno Slant. It wasn't pretty last week. It hasn't been pretty last month, but a letter know is damn sexy.
1: Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau.
0: It's only December, and it already feels a little tiny bit like Nevada is already in survive and advance mode. Uh, Pack really snuck one out on Saturday at home against South Dakota State thanks to its defense. Nevada is a team built on defense now, apparently. 11-0 and now in Nevada is, so Adam and I will share our thoughts on that one. Then we're going to hear from this week's guest, the president of Strength in the Pack, Brad Platt. Strength in the Pack, for those of you who have not heard of it, is a grassroots fundraising organization devoted to Nevada Athletics. Uh, last year they paid for those Battle Born uniforms that everyone loves so much. They've contributed to uh, Mus' contract, and they have some other big plans in the works. So it was a fun chat with Brad about his organization, where they're taking that thing, what the goal is for Strength in the Pack, and then some... Hashtag breaking, breaking news. Ask him about Battleborn uniforms. Are there going to be new ones this year? You, you guys will have to listen to the interview to see what he says about that. And then Nevada back at it this Saturday at Lawler against Akron. Uh, what do we need to know about the Zips? Who's our favorite player on the other roster? What's a key or what are the keys to a Nevada victory? And you know we're going to share our prediction as well. For slants. This is our Christmas episode. Last episode before Santa shows up. So Adam and I are going to power rank some Christmas traditions in the Shao home. We'll jump into 30 second fantasy complaints. Haven't done this one in a while, but I beat Adam in the playoffs last week. So we had to get his thoughts on that. That'll be fun. I'm actually really excited about that one. Games of the weekend, Twitter questions, and then random Reno. But first, our iTunes 5-star review of the week. It comes from jeg 685 I compare this podcast to that feeling you get when you order a Wendy's 4 for 4 and they give you a fifth nugget instead of the usual four. <laughs> We've gotten some really awesome reviews from you guys, some really awesome reviews, and that one is near the top. It's certainly in the conversation to be being in the Mount Rushmore of iTunes reviews so week or uh So far, if there are some of you who have wanted to leave iTunes reviews and you haven't been able to yet, or you haven't gotten around to it, it's super easy. Just scroll down to the bottom of the iTunes, our landing page, and you can type in a five-star review and uh be in the running for an iTunes five-star review of the week next week. Um, so, jig 0685, if you could reach out to us on Twitter or on email, let us know what your Venmo handle is, and we'll make sure and uh shoot you a buck. So we'll jump into the South Dakota State game real quick here, bro. But first, did you go to Santa Crawl this weekend? We didn't even talk about this. I got lazy and no, I did not go. I hid away
1: from the crowd. There was probably about like, you know, because I snowboarded earlier that day. Um, You know, kind of had to hustle back, went to Archie's, meet up with a buddy, had a couple beers before the game. You know, get to the game, had a couple beers. I was feeling, I was starting to feel all right and it started to get to that game, you know, game decision. Like we, we got, we got to make a choice now. Am I going or am I not? And luckily I was able to uh, convince myself to go home. <laughs> that is a long day though. Yeah, it, it was tired. I mean, I woke, I woke up pretty early that day yeah. to go ride. So yep, yeah, no, I was, um... Uh, You know, looking at all the videos and stuff, it's, it's always fun seeing the, like, the Instagram stories progress through the night. You know, everybody drinking, cheers, and everybody's having a good time. And then you wake up the next morning, I felt great. You see everybody else's
0: Instagram story and they're still- Different story in the morning, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Night and day. Much different story. So did you wear your Tipsy Elves sweater to the game at least?
1: Yes, I did, but I'm also an idiot because I couldn't figure out why the sweater fit so well when I was trying it at home and then didn't, it felt really small when I was wearing it at the game. Um I actually grabbed it I grabbed the medium one <laughs> instead of the far <laughs> Didn't even check the size just put it on like ah oh, this is you know maybe I'm just getting a little bigger in the gym who knows <laughs> but nope I was wearing the medium nice yeah so Very that's efficient. that yeah that's how my saturday went
0: all right. So the game itself, 72-68. Nevada improved to 11-0. It was Nevada's fourth straight comeback of at least seven points. At least seven points. This team's getting awfully used to to playing the comeback game. Uh, you were there. What was something that you took away from the game?
1: Uh, just looking at it from a crowd perspective, uh, I was hearing that that was the 10th of the 11th. One of those two of the most, um,
0: I think it was 10th biggest
1: crowd, 10th biggest crowd. And it's just kind of crazy because I was more thinking of it. You know, it's almost bad because that's kind of becoming the norm. Mm-hmm. It's just these massive crowds. And I was just thinking, cause I was talking to Marcus, our buddy at the game and I was sitting there thinking, I was like, dude, three or four years ago, it would be unimaginable to have this many people come on a Saturday against South Dakota state. Yeah. So I think the final number that I saw was like 11,257 attendees out of the 11.5 total capacity. But that was, I mean, before I walked in, I kind of came a little late. And it was when they were doing the kind of pregame. It was dark. Everybody had the lights on. It was just Mm -hmm. an intense environment. Super cool. So that that, my first thing was just that was an awesome pregame.
0: And, you know, shout out to everybody who showed up. Yeah, I saw a couple of videos on Twitter. It did look dope Mm -hmm. in in their pregame. My thing, and this has kind of been the case the last couple of weeks, for me, the biggest takeaway is just the defense. Again. Yep. This was the fourth, Nevada's fourth straight opponent that was held to a season low in total points. And we talked about Mike Dom last week. We talked about David Jenkins. Those two went into that game averaging a combined 49 points per game. 49 oh, between two dudes. Mm-hmm. And they combined for 10 total points. They were 3 of 19 shooting. They were 1 of 9 from deep. They were just essentially non-factors, which is even more head-scratching than Nevada almost, I don't don't want to say almost lost, but it was a four-point game.
1: Yeah, Uh, very very narrow.
0: So to hold those two and check the way they did is unbelievable. I mean, Trey Porter got huge, huge props from Mus postgame. He said that was the best defensive effort since he's been here. Mus said that. Pretty lofty claim. He said Trey might even be the best interior defender in the country right now. So for the defense to to play as well as it did, that was the South Dakota State team that scored 90 points and a half in its first game or last mm-hmm. game out before playing Nevada. I mean, they can score the basketball. Just did a, a really amazing effort that half of the court. Ken Palm now has Nevada up to 29 in adjusted defense. I saw when I looked last night. 29. Incredible leaps. On the on the defense a half, what else mm-hmm. did you take away from the game?
1: um just that you know we still came back like you said, one narrow game, four points, but you know they could shoot the ball. we knew that mm-hmm. um looking at looking at some of the stat lines I mean they beat us forty two percent to thirty four percent and just field goal three points they were thirty nine percent we were twenty six percent so I mean, in terms of statistics, they, you know, handled us in that regard, but kind of basic bouncing off the defensive point you're making is that it's just it's crazy. Nevada's getting into these situations with these teams that they're playing. You know, South Dakota State's not Kentucky, but they're a good team Mm -hmm. that they're getting to these scenarios and they're just playing the scrappiest of basketball and finding the ways that, you know, it doesn't look pretty, but they're coming out on top in the end.
0: As they struggle right now offensively, Scrappy is a good, good way to describe it. Cause Caleb is off right now. The defense is carrying. I mean, they're just, that, that was good, that's a good way to put it. They're finding ways right now, mm-hmm. which is what you would maybe even come to expect of a team that has 73 fifth year, fifth year seniors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, one of the things that I, I went positive with the first one, they found a way to win. They're 11-0. This one's not nearly as positive. The offense just continues to be kind of head scratching. It's really weird to see for a team with this much offensive talent to be just kind of this out of sorts. And I was really hoping that coming home after a long time or long stint away from Lawler would kind of be a a cure to this team and start hitting some shots. And they hit some shots, but they took 39 threes, Um, and we just it just hasn't been clicking recently, and it's just bizarre. In their first six, first six games ending with that UMass game when they scored 110 points, they're averaging 92 points per game. In their last five cents, starting with the Loyola Chicago game, they're averaging 74 points per game. So that's almost a 20-point-per-game difference between the first six and the last five. And you got to factor, okay, they're playing away from Lawler and they're starting to play some stronger competition. But that's a pretty significant drop-off. And you, you you do need to consider the fact that Jazz Johnson didn't play and that was kind of a surprise. We learned that after the game that he got a concussion against Grand Canyon. Certainly doesn't, doesn't help the cause, but you shoot 39 threes, a school record, and we're hitting 10. Ugh.
1: Not gonna do it.
0: Not great. So now in the last three games, Nevada has shot 79 threes, has made 19. 19 for 79 from three in the last three. That's 24%. I mentioned Caleb just kind of in a funk right now. I mean, he's still finding ways to impact the game. He he is, whether he's blocking shots or uh hit hitting open guys or making some late runners in, in the paint. But in his last four, he's six of thirty two from deep. That's nineteen percent. Ooh. The fact that Nevada's finding ways to win with him shooting, I, I think it can be just as much positive as it is a negative. I think ultimately you're gonna the shots are gonna start falling for him. Mm-hmm. And you can say this is probably as bad as it's going to get. It's only <laughs> going to get better from here. You still would like to see some better numbers offensively. Because as good as the defense has been of late, the offense has uh not. Yeah, been hurting. Uh Yeah, then my last one was just going to be...
1: You know, we're getting into these situations now early in the season against some teams that... Uh, I mean the ma- the majority of who we've seen so far, we're not gonna we're, you're not gonna see him in March. You're not gonna see him in the tournament, and it's kind of the same story that they had last year with you know guys getting huge minutes. You know Caleb and Jordan, and now you got Trayshawn Thurman who played a full. Uh, I think I'm um, I think, I was think close he played all 40. Full. Yeah. Yeah, I said I thought it was at least close to the full 40, but <laughs> you got these guys, and we just talk about the depth of the team, but. I'm getting more curious now as you're going to start getting into conference play. Offense has already started, you know, offense has been a struggle. You got guys doing what they were doing last year, you know, playing the full, full game of Caleb, Trayshawn, Jordan. I think, I can't remember exactly how many minutes Cody had, but, um, I definitely stakes get higher once they're going to get into tournament or conference play. So that's going to be another thing I'm paying attention to to see if Musselman even tries to tweak it even just in the slightest to try and get some sort of groove going because the offensive groove right now, like you said, is not flowing.
0: It was funny because the talking point all off season was, man, how is Musk going to handle this depth? How is he going to disperse minutes? And there was a certain podcast about Dorino sports that was not buying it. (laughs) I don't know which podcast that would be. Plead the fifth. And we were a month into the season or more than a month into the season and that conversation has completely disappeared. Now we're back to using basically a six-man rotation. It, you look at some options that he had off the bench, and they looked really good early in the season, but where is it right now? I mean, I, these guys are in tough spots; they're having to earn minutes. But Nizre Zuzwa, one for eight, zero for six from deep against South Dakota State. Mm-hmm. Jordan Brown has—you can see him progressing—and he only played seven minutes. Took mm-hmm. one shot, miss it. He did get three round, rebounds pull, and block a shot. Corey Hanson in a couple minutes, 0 for 2, 0 for two from deep. So we we need those dudes to to contribute because we know that Nevada can win with pretty much just Caleb Martin and Jordan Caroline. <laughs> yep. But it's not going to go on the run that a lot of people hope and maybe even expect Nevada to go on with mm-hmm. just with just those two. So we need to see the bench start contributing it can be a double-edged sword. The Mountain West has looked so crappy so far that yeah. against teams like San Jose State, that you can give those guys some extended run and maybe help them get into more of a rhythm. But we we, we need some more from them. Yeah, that's that's for sure. We, we need some more. My last thing I'll say about the game was not a lot of shots went, but Nevada still found a way to get to the free throw line, and that was one of the biggest uh factors in the game. I think one of the biggest factors in Nevada winning that game they go to the line twenty three times. They make eighteen. San Diego State goes to the line fourteen. They make eleven. Nevada wins by four. Did you say uh, San Diego or like S- South Dakota State? S- too many SDSUs. S- S- SDSU, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So Nevada shoots nine more, makes seven more. You win by four. I mean, it, it can be a simple game sometimes. And Nevada, that's one thing Nevada has done well offensively. Has has had a tough time getting shots to go. Is get to the free throw line.
1: real simple if you don't think about it
0: (laughs) all right let's jump to our interview with brad platt uh president of strength in the pack a really great conversation with him hopefully most of you are familiar with strength in the pack if you're not um an amazing organization i would argue to say the university needs strength in the pack to be as strong as possible because we've talked a lot about the lack of funds at Nevada and Strength in the Pack is doing everything in its power to change that, allowing people to make micro donations. So people like uh, Nathan and Adam Schaup can maybe even <laughs> make a difference donating some beer money every month as opposed to a lump sum because uh, we don't have that money yet. <laughs> maybe next year for episode – By episode 100, we'll have that kind of money, but we don't right now. A great conversation with Brad, and uh, here's that conversation. Okay, Brad, there's a ton being made now about the lack of money at Nevada and the lack of funding for Nevada Athletics. I'm sure that was a huge reason why you wanted to start this organization, Um, were were there other reasons that led you to want to create strength in the pack or guess what led you guys to be where you are or get where you are?
2: Yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, part of it is being a sports fan and, and having those brief moments of just pure ecstasy when we went 13 and one and went to the crap bowl and you go to the sweet 16, you know, in 2004 and wanting to have that happen more often than once a decade was kind of the conversation that we had (laughs) as a group. And it's like, That's the driver for us as a fan and as a community, and it just develops that sense of pride as you live in an area when your sports teams are doing successful. So uh, that was really kind of secondary in nature behind the the obvious need that (laughs) we're struggling as a university from a standpoint of raising funds, and we thought maybe we could do, do something ourselves as well. Yeah.
0: I mean, at a super high level, you are a fundraising organization for Nevada Athletics. There's a lot more nuance to it. So just from your perspective, what is Strength in the Pack for many people who aren't familiar with it?
2: Sure. So we're a private group. Uh, we're a certified 501c3 nonprofit corporation in the state of Nevada. Uh was created by nine individuals who in some form or another are connected to the university where we're all, most of us are all alumni. There's former athletes, uh, business uh, leaders in the community. And we all kind of had that common vision and thought process that we needed to help in any way we can. And, and so the idea kind of came out of our review of some of the other bigger programs in the country and specifically Clemson uh, with their IPTAE program. And it stands for I pay 10 bucks a year. So it's IPTAY. Okay. And it actually started in the late 1930s when Clemson lost a football game to the Citadel. And, uh, <laughs> their, their boosters were so mad that they lost. They said, we will never lose again to the Citadel and we're going to start raising money right now. <laughs> and so that's how it started. So. And today, IPTA is now actually part of Clemson University, and it raises twenty-four to twenty-six million dollars a year. Wow! Uh, Still on a lot of smaller micro donations, but also their Mm bigger
0: donations as well. But so, did what? What drew you to that model? The fact that it was so successful? Was it the subscriber-based model? And what kind of drew you to that of all the ones you looked at?
2: Well, I think you know I'm I'm a booster myself. I mean, like I said, I graduated in 2000, and I've been a season ticket holder since 1992, and. I'm part of the starting five and the blitz and, and uh, a lot of different fundraising groups. And there's always that threshold of dollar value that you have to get to in order to be a member. Mm -hmm. And so our thought processes was let's, let's lower it down. Let's, let's pick a a value that everyone can feel like they're part of this. And maybe they can't afford $500 a year, but maybe they can afford $90 a year in the form of $7 and 75 cents a month. And so, so that really kind of started it and, one one of our members, uh, who's our vice president right now, went to Alabama, um, and to this day, he still gets calls on a weekly basis asking for a $25 donation to help the Crimson Tide beat the Auburn Tigers or something like that. Wow. And so you have a program like that that has millions of dollars, but they still understand the value of a lot of small micro donations that they can collectively put together to mm-hmm. to turn it into one big one. So that was really the kind of the genesis of the idea.
0: All right. So, so I've I've seen some numbers. And correct me if I'm if I'm off here. You guys have have raised in almost three years, ballpark two hundred thousand dollars with more or less five hundred subscribers.
2: Yeah, that's pretty close. We don't okay. actually have five hundred currently, but we've had up to that number. So oh, okay, I got you. With, yeah. So with this weekly or the monthly donations, you know, people effectively sign up. Uh, They take a debit card or a credit card, and then over time as cards expire or people have to get a new card, and so mm-hmm. that ends up stopping their donation. And so then we have to basically reach out and chase them down to get them to sign back again. Some people do <laughs> and some people don't. So yeah. over, I think we're about 340 people right now, something okay. like that. So.
0: All right, and we were talking about this a little bit before we came on, but you guys are a team full of volunteers. You guys all have full-time jobs. You can't devote 40 hours a week, at least not during the day, to this. So who's in charge, or what does that process look like in terms of trying to acquire new people to uh, subscribe? Yeah, no, that's a great great question, and it's a challenge that we've kind of uh,
2: ran into here in the last year. So we're in our third year. Uh, like I said, all nine members of the board are – also have full-time jobs. These are all Mm -hmm. volunteer positions. Um, we basically started out in a grassroots effort in our own networks of people that we knew, uh, and kind of organically grew it to that level. Um, probably reached the 150, 170 type people donation level in the first year, year and a half. And then the last two years we've done, uh, tailgates, uh, at, at the home football games mm-hmm. and we have uh, nine or 10 RVs and my trailer and all this. And we typically have anywhere from a hundred to 250 people show up. And so we have a, awesome. we have a open, open bar and food and everything. And so members get in for like $7 and everybody else pays 20. So you basically pay for your, your donation can basically get taken care of by coming to the tailgate. Sure. So it's, it's, so we've done, we've grown almost doubled in size from doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do some viewing parties and, and, uh, we do an annual poker, poker event once a year to, to try to raise membership and, and raise funds and things yeah. like that. But so, so that's, that's kind of generally how we've gotten to the point that we're at. And now we kind of need to figure out how to, how to elevate it and get it to the next level. So
0: definitely. So some things that you guys have been able to purchase for the athletic department as a whole. Uh, I know the football program, the coaching staff loves the sleds. Uh, yeah. there was money that went towards, uh, Mus's contract, Amanda Eleven's contract. I think the big, sexy, shiny object was the Battleborn uniforms last year. Were, are, are there any other ones I'm missing out on?
2: Yeah, there's a few. Um, we've done a lot of recovery, uh, leggings for football and basketball to help the team kind of get through, uh, conditioning after games and things like that. Strength and conditioning equipment. Uh, we bought iPads for the football team. This summer we did the nutrition program for Nevada basketball. We did a high altitude conditioning program for the women's basketball program. Okay. So it's amazing that even with this small amount of money, 200,000 doesn't seem like small, but you know, when you look at it, 60 to 65,000 a year, you can really help these programs do some things that they're just not capable of doing right now with the current budget constraints that we have.
0: Sure. Sure. So you mentioned you guys started as really a grassroots using your network to kind of start this up and now you're kind of at a tipping point where it's like, Hey, we need to figure out how we're going to take that next step. The the response from the community, was it about what you expected? Was it more than you expected? Maybe less than you expected. What what was that response like from your guys' perspective?
2: I think it's the way it started out was exciting because it Mm -hmm. it grew pretty quick. And I think we knew it would just based on, you know, the initial push. Um, The struggle has been getting over that next level. And so, we're, we're as a board are trying to decide right now if we want to, you know, maybe bring in someone to kind of be the day to day face of the organization and, mm-hmm. and bring them on an, on a payroll situation. But then you gotta, you know, you're committing a certain amount of your funds to do that, so we're gonna have to right. know, build that back up very quickly. So we've got So we've been talking about a strategic plan to do that, and I think that's honestly what it's gonna take. Um, we would love to have a business outreach group where people uh, could call us and say hey you can come to our business and you know we'll bring donuts in and we'll spend 40 minutes telling (laughs) you about what we're doing and get people signed up and off we go on their way and you know things like that so i think as it gets in more visibility to people it's very Mm -hmm. easy and natural and people that are you know connected to the university and want to see the program succeed i think it's a it's a no-brainer for them at seven bucks a month so
0: would you say that's one of the bigger challenges, if not the biggest challenge, of starting an organization like yours is just giving it visibility and getting in front of people? Yeah,
2: yeah, without question. Even with all the social media outreach we do, you're still kind of you're limited, limited to where right. Yeah, you're limited. So I mean, you guys probably know the same story there. So um, <laughs> you know, you can yeah. do so many tweets and so much uh, Facebook and uh, Instagram and things like that, and it's just you got to find that way to to really. Uh, just get into that next network of people that you haven't made contact with yet. So.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Well, we're doing what we can to help you here on the Reno Slam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we appreciate that. It's awesome. So. Um, so what's the, what, what's the end game? Like what's, what's the goal? What, what are you guys working towards? Have you guys gotten clear on that yet? Or is it kind of just one day at a time right now trying to figure out how to maybe take these next steps? Yeah, I think we have a couple goals. I mean,
2: our next immediate goal is to break the $100,000 a year uh platform. Okay. I think that that would be a significant milestone and 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 really start to build some critical mass I think at that point. And then mid-term to long-term goals is to try to get to half million a year and then ultimately get to at least a million a year. Uh if we could raise a million dollars a year and commit 35 to 40 percent of that to men's basketball and go sit down with coach musk and go hey i have four hundred thousand dollars for you what can we do to help you build a top 10 program yeah He's pretty excited with that so <laughs> uh and that could be a reason why he maybe would stick around because he knew he had the resources behind him to sure. do it you know things like sure. that so
0: so what would you say how far away are we right now from the hundred thousand dollars a year like what would need to happen to get there
2: it doesn't take much, really. That's what's the crazy part is we have yeah. 300 and some members, and we're raising $60,000 a year. So it's an average of about $15, $16 a person per, mm-hmm. per month. And so if you double that group in size, you go to 120. So you're only talking 600 people. We're about to draw almost, what, 11000 to another basketball game on yeah. Saturday night. And so we always kind of look at that and say, if we just fill one the section. Arena with a... just
0: one yeah. section needs to sign one... up
2: <laughs> yeah it's crazy you know if we ever got to the point where that stadium was were members you'd mm-hmm. raise a million dollars a year just with the people in that arena and it's yeah. only 11 thousand people it's not a lot of people right when you think about it so yeah. so that's what we need to do we need to get, we need to break the 500 member plateau on a consistent regular basis with people dropping off and, and that mm-hmm. sort of thing and then just I think naturally critical mass kind of takes hold there and then you kind of kind of just keep pushing into networks and we need to bring new people in on the board. Uh, we need to rotate off and just so we can bring some fresh blood and different groups of people involved and things like that to help, help facilitate the growth too, I think.
0: So Yeah. do you guys get a a boost when, when the team is winning? Like when the basketball team gets off to 11 start, like, do you guys feel that or is it still too early for you guys to be able to ride that momentum?
2: Yeah, I think it's too hard to tell right now because uh like with football we could see it because more people would show up at the tailgate mm-hmm. um so so you would naturally get more sign ups that way cuz you get the word out and so i think as basketball continues to progress and you know we did a pregame party down in los angeles for the a- ASU game and had a really great turnout met some new people there and so yeah. i think just over time you kind of grind your way through that and as the team continues to win it's just more exposure for the program as a whole and it just it naturally will help us too yeah. i think so yeah.
0: Just taking a step back, I mean, one of the reasons you really wanted to start Strength in the Pack is because, as you mentioned, you're an alum, you're a diehard fan. You were one of the, the founders of Silver and Blue Outfitters, not involved uh, anymore because you only have so many hours in a day. <laughs> but but, <laughs> exactly. but just, just yeah. as a fan, how much fun are you having right now w- watching this basketball program, watch us, watching this athletic department? Or or has it gotten almost too wrapped up in the Strength in the Pack thing and it's <laughs> you don't know which way's up anymore?
2: No, I I'm I'm such a diehard fan. I live and die by every game. It's uh <laughs> but it's so much fun. I mean, even even seeing the progress that Jay made this year with the football program uh was really cool to see. But I I've all summer long you keep seeing all these preseason rankings that were top seven and top five and I'm just like, Man, am I living in bizarro world right now? I would have <laughs> never thought I would have saw this, but it's so cool to be a part of it and, and hopefully our community appreciates what's happening yeah. and it's, it's tough to duplicate this and hopefully they, we can build some momentum from this right. and keep it going.
0: So yeah, that was One of the things that I wanted to ask you as well, because I mean, you've been a fan for a while now. I mean, I, I'm late to the party. I mean, I just started covering the team in 2013, but for someone who's been following the team for as long as, as you have, it's got to be almost strange sometimes to be like, we are number six in the country right now and a legit national title contender.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Like I said, I started school in 1992. Uh, my first football game was the, our first division one A game. Uh, so I've had season tickets since then and basketball, we were maybe drawing <laughs> two or 3000 people a game. So I would have <laughs> never would have thought that this day would be coming where we're ranked up there with Kentucky and ahead uh, of Kentucky, but you know, with right. Kansas and Duke and everybody. It's just, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So
0: yes, it is it's been so much fun. So, uh, football. Not done. They got the bowl game here in about a week and a half. Is strength in the pack going to be down there? Are you going down there? What, what, what's going on?
2: Yeah, unfortunately I really want to go, but I can't just based on some other, uh, situations that yeah. I have on a commitment and I was hoping for one of the earlier bowl games rather than the 29th, but, um, yeah, which I feel bad because I told Jay I would go to his first bowl game and now I can't go, <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, now I'm excited to see how they do. Arkansas State, obviously very, uh, high scoring offensive team. So. Yeah. It'll, they don't play really great run defense so hopefully we can pound the ball on them and you know we we'll get an opportunity to see how we do there
0: so it'll be fun all right so the website i'm sure is is where you are dire- are directing people to sign up but what's the best way people can support strengthen the pack the best way people can join the cause can start helping you guys out and the university obviously
2: yeah so our website is strengthenthepack.com or .org you can do either one okay uh, it's super easy to sign up there's a join button that you click (laughs) and if you're a uh if you're already a paypal member or subscriber it takes about 40 seconds to sign up you just choose your dollar amount it kicks you over to paypal and you're done and if you don't have a paypal account you can use your credit card and it takes about two minutes to sign up so it's super fast um it'll it'll renew every month on the anniversary date so if you sign up on the 17th of december every 17th of the month it'll take out the donation amount that you've committed to Um, we're on Facebook and Instagram and also, you know, Twitter and our handles are, you know, strength in the pack or, uh, at pack fundraising for uh, the Twitter. And so just getting more word out to help us get retweets out and and get it out into your networks is probably the biggest and best thing that people could do. So,
0: well, it's probably that here here we go. Here's a plug for people who are doing, trying to figure out some last second gift ideas and you're shopping for a Nevada fan. Not, not bad. You can do a year, the strength in the pack in their name or something. Yeah, that's cool. How about that? Um, good idea. What about, are you, uh, I we'll ask you one more question here. Is there anything you guys are working towards like the next trying to thing you're trying to fund or is it kind of a case by case scenario with that?
2: Yeah. So the way we work is, is we actually meet with the coaches directly. Uh, so we'll have a board meeting and like once football's over, uh, in sometime in early January, we'll invite Jay, uh, and some of his staff to come in and meet with us and, and, They basically know to come in prepared to talk about what they need. Right. And and our primary focus is helping them in recruiting and then help them in the development of players once they get here. So that's Mm -hmm. why we focused a lot on the strength and conditioning side, um, the high altitude conditioning, the you know, the nutrition programs, things like that. And then Mm -hmm. We've also helped, you know, Mus is a huge fanatic when it comes to jerseys and how that helps them from a recruiting <laughs> standpoint. So, so that's why we focused a lot on that with, with that, uh, with that program. We've done baseball jerseys and helped TJ Bruce out as well. Right. So, so we try to meet with the different staffs. Uh, they know we have a limited budget right now. So we, you know, we try to give them ballparks and say, Hey, we have 10 to 15,000 to commit. Mm-hmm.
0: What,
2: what What do you have? That's an emergent, you know, urgent need that, you know, that we can work with. And they'll come in and present it and they may present two or three things and, we'll pick the one that we feel like is the best fit for our organization. And then we take a vote and we have to have a super majority approval of the board. And then once it's approved, we, we give them the funds directly for that project. Our money never goes into the general fund. It goes for specific projects. Okay. Um, which helps our membership understand that, Hey, your money actually
0: went to pay for this, which is kind of cool. Yeah. See, see exactly what the money is going towards. Speaking of us and and basketball jerseys, is there going to be a new battle born Jersey? Cause there was a lot of, uh, I don't want to say anger, but there was some ups- upsetness. People were maybe a little bothered because those jer- jerseys were awesome. Yeah, they were fantastic. Um, <laughs> I'm saddened that they went away.
2: But, uh, <laughs> There's yeah, the word I was looking not... for. Yeah, so you may see more than one different Battleborn
0: jersey. Mm. I'll just say
2: that much. So, all right. We com- yeah, we committed to help them with uh, four different jersey sets. Uh, one of them you saw the other night when they wore the uh, the charcoals. Sure. Um, those are awesome too.
0: And then there's three more that are still,
2: still to come. So we'll, I won't steal, uh, the team's thunder on that one. They'll roll those out accordingly. So.
0: All right. There we go. Some breaking news. Yeah. On the Reno <laughs> I love it. All right, Brad. Th- thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's awesome. Um, the university obviously needs it. Hopefully maybe this podcast appearance gets you to 600. How about that? That would be great. We
2: will uh we will name the uh six
0: hundred plateau after the slant if
2: that happens. <laughs> now we're talking. All right, Brad. Appreciate you, man. Awesome. Have a great day. Thanks. Go pack.
0: So it was awesome to have Brad on. Be on the lookout for some more uniforms. That's not necessarily a surprise, but it was fun to hear it from him. You knew Nevada was gonna have a selection of uniforms this year. As Brad pointed out, they need about 300 more subscribers to get to the point where they're raising $100,000 a year, and that's one of their first goals. So if you have $7.75 to spare every month, not, not a bad spot to, to direct those funds. Let's get into Saturday's matchup now. So Nevada's had a week off. They've been in Reno the entire week, which I'm sure the guys have absolutely loved. Tip is at four o'clock. If you're not going, the game is on ESPN3. This is already the last home non conference game of the year, and that's wild to think about. Crazy is a stat here. Must has played twenty six home non conference games at Nevada. It's twenty six mm-hmm. and 0. Woo. Sharp. That is a that's a nice record. That is nice. And this is only Akron's second true road game of the year. Their their first true road game, they played Purdue, Fort Wayne and and lost that one. So when you were clicking around, what's something that uh you think we need to know about the Zips? All
1: right. So I was kind of looking kind of what I usually do, a couple years back, seeing how they're doing, how they've progressed, what kind of what direction the programs in. Um right now it's kind of a I don't want to say rebuilding, but kind of reimagining itself. Uh 2 years ago, their longtime head coach Keith Dombrow left. His last season they won the MAC, but <clears throat> Last season it was John Grote. is it Gro Gross? Sure. Okay. Yeah. Whatever their head coach's last name, John Gross. Uh, he's in his second year, but they're kind of, right now they're actually doing okay. Um, but last year they finished 14 and 18, six and 12 in the Mac, in the Mac, last in the East division. Um, so they're definitely, you know, there wasn't really a whole lot of room to go, but they're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're progressing. They're getting better, but. Yeah, I was looking at that as the head coach has kind of been, they seemed like they were consistently in the mix in the Mac. And then as this new guy's come over last year, and I think they're plagued with a couple injuries, but, um, climbing up right now.
0: Yeah. They're, they're seven and four this year, but their four losses are by combined 12 total points. So it's not Which like they're getting boat race. They have a pretty good, uh, margin. Average margin. I mean, they're, I think they're top 50. I think they're, mm-hmm. they're average, they're outscoring their opponents by about 12 points per game this year. Maybe a little bit more. So they, they've certainly been competitive. Their schedule hasn't been the strongest. I'd say it's pretty weak, actually. They played one good team and it was Clemson earlier in the year and like the Bahamas or somewhere. Mm-hmm. Clemson was number 16 at the time. They lost by three. Ken Palm has them at 124. The rim has them at 154. This is pretty close to a quadrant four game. Those don't help you much. Again, we're pretty close to must win territory. You can't be, you know, taking quadrant four losses. We'll see what Akron does the rest of the year.
1: Uh, at, at home too.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, quad, quadrant, it's the way it's graded, but yeah, you don't want to be losing to Akron at home. That's no. that's not a great look. What else you find?
1: Um, well, that's, that was actually one of my points I was going to talk about was their losses. All four of them, they've come by five or less, which is pretty impressive. Um, yeah. second year coach too, but I'll get into one of the guys that I thought, um, was pretty interesting was Jimond Ivy. Okay. Uh, he's said, big guy, right? Yep. He set a pretty cool record. He became the 44th player in the university of Akron Akron's men's history to reach a thousand career points in their last game. So look on him to have an emotional letdown. I'm calling it. Ooh, letdown. But yeah, so he's, uh, you last, know he's gonna
0: you know he's gonna go off
1: now. I know. Well, yeah. Every <laughs> everything I everything I say just does the complete opposite. But yeah, he's a big he's a big dude, six five forward. Uh, he had nineteen points, seven boards, three assists, um, on thir- in thirty six minutes in their last game. But his shooting, I mean, he was seven of ten on field goals, two of four on threes, and three of three of th- uh, free throws. So that's pretty uh, um, efficient. I'll put it that way. But yeah, not, I thought he's I not your like, favorite player on the other roster, is he? Oh no, of course not. Okay. I hate him. <laughs> Hate him, but yeah. So I was looking at kind of some of his numbers, and I thought that milestone was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, we talked about this game a few episodes ago. It might have been episode zero one seven zero one six. Someone asked, "What are the the non conference games remaining that scare that scare you the most?" And I said, "The sleeper game in there is Akron because no one's talking about it. You mm-hmm. kind of have that one penciled in as a dub." But what this team does, mention how close their losses have been this year. This team has been really strong defensively this year. They're allowing basically 61 points per game. That's 19th in the country. The most points they've given up in a game is 75. And that was in a one point loss to Marshall. Teams are shooting just 32%, 32% from deep against them. That's good. Not, not great. But this team has played really well on the, on the defensive end. They're not going to blow you away with talent, they're not going to score a million points, but they played really sound defense and we know what Nevada's offense has looked like for really the greater portion of the last 3 weeks to a month or so. So that's that's still going to be a matchup to watch in this one. Was there anything else that you that stood out to you looking at Akron? No, I had, I had those three. The last thing that I want to talk about about Akron before we get to our favorite player on the other roster, is This the team that can really shoot it from deep, and they know it. So they let it rip a ton. They shoot almost 30 th- three-pointers a game. That's 38 in the country. I'm surprised that there's 37 teams in the country that shoot more than that. I mean, we saw Nevada shoot 39 last week, so maybe not. And they make 10 of those a game. That's 56th in the country. So not only are they a high-volume three-point team from from deep they they can make those shots as well a name to look at in this one daniel i'm gonna butcher his last name utami that can be the entire name daniel i'm gonna butcher his last name utami <laughs> he, he's their biggest volume shooter he's shot 86 triples this year he's 31 for 86 36 percent and he is their leading scorer right now 15.7 points per game 6.6 junior guard I think that's gonna be a good test for Caleb on the perimeter. That's gonna be another fun matchup to watch on Saturday evening for certain. Who is your favorite player on the other roster?
1: Kadim Guy. Gui Guy, something along those lines. Um he is from Senegal though, from Africa. Okay. okay. I was actually pretty, last night when I was looking it up, I was kinda curious about it. Uh it's from Dakar Dakar, I have no idea how to pronounce it, but if I was going to go to Africa, that'd probably be a city I'd want to go to. It Why? was, it was right on the coast of Western Africa. It looked, it was pretty, uh, um, I mean, it looked pretty developed. There was a lot of cool, uh, huge beaches and stuff. So I was like, you know what? Do you look at flights? I did look at flights too. Uh, <laughs> out of LA, it was about, um, 2000. Round so trip. it's it's yeah obviously it's way easier to find flights because when you when you pick out a Reno it like sends you all these funky things you got to do different airlines so I always just look out of L A but yeah it was about two two grand I think you had to fly from like God if I'm remembering it right I think it was L A to New York to Paris and then from Paris to to Senegal Woof. but yeah he's a seven footer two hundred forty five pounds he transferred from South Carolina so big dude um. But yeah, there's some, interest, some interesting stuff about him. His favorite vacation spot, Monaco. If he wasn't playing basketball, his other sport is soccer, and he is a retail management major. It's all of our business majors out oh, there. You know. There you go. Now you know more than you'll ever need
0: to know about Kadim guy. I'm surprised. I thought we maybe picked the same guy here. I was. Did I you pick the dude? With... What? Did you pick the dude from Vegas? No, I didn't. Okay. I, I skipped over
1: him because I, I figured you would.
0: <laughs> I went with red shirt sophomore Lauren Jackson. I went with him for a couple reasons. He's, I, I just mentioned Daniel. I'm gonna butcher his last name Utami, who's their lead, leading score right now. Lauren Jackson's a close second. He's averaging 14.9 points per game. He's a transfer from Long Beach State. One of the most interesting things I found about him, though, I mean, I, I didn't do a ton of clicking around. Listed at 5'8", 160. Not a big dude. So we've talked about this before. You know, he's, if he's listed at 5'8", 160, he's closer to 5'6", maybe 5'7", 150, 155. Mm-hmm. And to be as explosive as he is, and to score the basketball as much as he does, is pretty impressive. Uh, he can shoot. He's also 36% from deep, 28 for 77 this year. He gets the line a ton, so he's fearless. He'll, he'll attack the paint at 5'8", 5'7", 5'6", whatever he is. And he's 80% from the line when he gets there, 44-56. So I'd be really interested to see what, how he's going to handle Nevada's length on the perimeter with, with Caleb and, and Cody Martin. Uh, that'll be another fun matchup to watch. But I think if you have a, a, a player who's 5'8", 5'7", 5'6", and can score the basketball as, as much as he does, uh, sign me up. I'm in. Yep. Isaiah Thomas, yep. Nate Robinson, Lauren Jackson studs <laughs> all right keys to victory i'll start this one i think we have to ask ourselves if nevada's a defensive team now
1: <laughs> it's coming I, into question
0: we we know how talented this team is but the the defense has been so dominant the last month against some good teams some teams that can score the basketball so i, w- I want to see them keep it going on saturday akron's not a great offensive team i just talked about how how well they can shoot it, and how often they shoot it. Their season low is 61 versus St. Bonaventure. I also said at the top that Nevada has held its last four opponents to season lows in points. So Nevada would have to hold them to 60. That would be really impressive. I would not say it's impossible. You look at Akron, they're, I, I just mentioned uh Lauren Jackson listed at 5'8", 5'7", 5'6". Their top five scores, the zips, are all listed at six six and under. So I think there's a really good chance that Nevada's length is going to cause some serious problems, and I think there's a chance for another completely dominant defensive effort. But for me, on Saturday, yes, we want to see the offense get going. It's going to start with the defense. I want I want to see him keep keep playing just lights out not half of the court.
1: Yeah, I took a little quote out of what Must have said in the last post game was that. He said, uh, we don't hide the fact that our total focus is on the star players and we want the peripheral players to beat us. Mm. And so what I was going with that is shut down Daniel, all will butcher his last name, Tommy and Jamon Ivy. Uh they're averaging sixteen and seven and thirteen and seven. So Nevada's offense obviously isn't doing it, but they're finding a way, and the way they're finding it is focusing on the other team's star players and shutting them down and I mean, I'm, that's what they were doing, putting the ball on the pr- other, the other team's peripheral players and saying, mm-hmm. try, try it, do it. So that's, do that's it. my first, that's do my, it. Yeah. do it, do it. That's, that's my first point. Focus on those two guys, shut them down. And then hopefully we won't have another nail biter.
0: We heard in I don't remember if you said it post game or if you said it this week that they spent pretty much the entire week before the South Dakota state game prepping. For Dom and Jenkins, like they spent the entire week focusing on defense and you can see that come to fruition. Mm-hmm. So maybe they focused a little bit on offense this week and, and got to work <laughs> on that. I would, I would hope so maybe. So I want to see Nevada get off to a better start. Like can we do that pretty please? I hope like that, that would be, that would be very nice. It'd be a nice change of pace because since the loyal win, Nevada's been down at half and three of the last four and they've found a way to make it work. Eventually, you start falling down by 7 to 10 points every single game. You're not going to be able to crawl out of that. So I would like to maybe stop uh, playing with fire a little bit here, start a little bit faster. Akron is 6-0 and this year when leading at the half. So I would be very interested. I'm very willing to buy Nevada taking a lead into the locker room at halftime.
1: I'd be down for that. My other one's gonna be our kind of uh, extra players, the guys coming off the bench. I haven't heard a whole lot on Jazz if he's if he's going or not.
0: I haven't seen anything. He was in concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. I think it's. I'm expecting him to play. I haven't read anything on it. Yeah, I would be surprised if he doesn't play. That's with no inside knowledge into what how that he's progressing through concussion protocol. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
1: So I was gonna say. You know, the, the guys, you know, not the Martins, not Caroline, now becoming not Thurman, Thurman, but those guys kind of taking the extra role. You got Jazz, you got Jordan Brown, Nizwa. So I'm, I'm going to be looking at those guys to kind of be putting up some points because their, their lines, especially in the last game, were kind of, well, Jazz didn't play, but a couple of the, the bench guys, lines weren't too good, like you said earlier. So I'm going to be looking at those guys to be helping, helping out extra.
0: So you're going to the bench. I'm going to the stars. I've, I, I want to see Caleb get going. He, he talked about it this week publicly that he hasn't been shooting the ball well, and I don't think many people are going to argue with him. Like as I mentioned, he's still impacting the game. This team still needs him out there, and he has the green light. Muss is going to let him shoot out of this thing, and you know he's going to get out of it. But six of thirty-two in the last three. The team is nineteen of seventy-nine in in that span. It's pretty clear now what teams are going to do defensively against Nevada. They're going to pack the paint. They're going to play zone defense, and they're going to make Nevada shoot some threes. Nevada was shooting threes early in the season, got away from it, or struggled to at least convert during that long trip on the road. So I want to see Caleb get going here, maybe find some of his confidence. I I hope he's not starting to lose confidence, and you're seeing him still pull. I mean, he's still taking 9, 10 threes a game. If he starts that number starts diving, then you start to maybe be concerned about the confidence. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just, it's clear now how important Jazz Johnson is. Hopefully he, he can go. I just think as a group, I want to see the offense start to maybe things start clicking a little bit because they've seen the zone defense. They know what happens when teams pack the, pack the paint. They've seen plenty of it. Now I want to see them find a ways to to maybe start executing against that. All right. Who's going to win? What do you got?
1: Nevada is going to hand Akron their worst loss of the season, mm.
0: 73-67. So you don't have the offense really – and that's a six-point game. That's pretty close.
1: Mm-hmm. I got a narrow victory. Are you going? Uh, no, because I'll be – I'm leaving at like 7 a.m.
0: Oh, duh. We're going to be home. Yeah, to fly up to Washington. <laughs> Offensively – I've already mentioned this stat. Nevada's averaging 74 points per game in its last five. Akron defensively has been great this year. It's another week that Nevada's been at home. All the guys have got to sleep in their own beds, practice in their own gym. Last week, it was all defense leading up to South Dakota State. They probably get Jazz back. They haven't had time to work on some offense now. There's only Akron's second true road game. I got Nevada starting to figure some things out offensively. Defensively, I expect them to continue to play well. I don't have them holding Akron to a season low. But I got Nevada winning this game 80-67. to 67.
1: All right, getting back
0: to the 80s. So I'm, I'm more confident that, than you are. No spread yet. I think this is going to be a big spread. You're, so you're taking the points.
1: Yeah, I would be taking Akron plus. because What do you think that's going to be? I would think it's,
0: at it's least fifteen. Up. At least 15.
1: Yeah, I was gonna guess it'd be in the same ballpark as it was last game. Yeah,
0: it wasn't that fifteen.
1: I think it was sixteen. Sixteen. Yeah. Don't quote me, but I'm pretty sure it was sixteen. No cover.
0: Last couple, that's is that how many non covers is that is in a row for Nevada? Is it? That's that's a two, few. They're two, on a little string two, here. Two in
1: a, two in a row now. I yeah, think
0: after a hot start. Bummer. Let's jump into some slants. This is our Christmas episode. Maybe some of you are even listening on Christmas. Maybe some of you are listening Wednesday night. Uh, so a few days before Christmas. So we want to go through some power rankings. We do power rankings every once in a while and we're going to do power ranking Christmas traditions. There'll probably be some particularly true of the shop home growing up. I'll, I'll let you go first.
1: Number one, unanimous mom's breakfast. Yep. Uh, yeah, just I mean, you open the presents on Christmas Day, and then right after that, you know, mom's made that the egg casserole extravaganza thing. She's got that specialty Christmas juice. I don't even know what's in it. It's probably the, never. I don't the even, sticky rolls. The sticky rolls. Everything's just fantastic in there. So that's, I mean, <laughs> that's arguably arguably the most exciting part.
0: I also went with mom's Christmas morning breakfast at number one. Um. I feel like Christmas breakfast is one of those like hit and miss things. Like I don't know if everyone does it. Mm-hmm. But it's I'm certainly glad we do. <laughs> yeah. It's funny how priorities change. Like that's what I, I get most excited about now about Christmas is <laughs> breakfast.
1: So hurry up and open your presents, Aaron. We got some breakfast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right, what else you got? Uh I got
1: so this one's kind of becoming more as of late that we're getting a little older, but it's become that christmas eve uh up at the nigro's house uh enjoying a couple adult beverages and playing nose goes to see who who drives us to christmas eve service
0: <laughs> that is becoming one one of the annual traditions it's be- becoming a staple yeah last year there was it was snowing up there yeah. we, were, we we were we were holding out hope like maybe there'll be enough snow like we can just keep drinking beer
1: <laughs> maybe they won't notice <laughs>
0: The second one that I had is for me now. The feeling when you finally have all your gifts bought and wrapped. And part of the reason I have that is because here we are on Wednesday the 19th, flying home Saturday night, and I still do not have all the gifts purchased. So I certainly don't have them wrapped. I'm stressing out. I gotta figure out when I'm gonna do it. I gotta figure out what I'm gonna get still. I'm not even that far. In the process, it's a complete mess and I cannot wait to have it taken care of. So I'm, that could have even been number one, the feeling that yeah. your shopping is done.
1: Yeah. Cause those, those days fly by real quick when you're not done. Ugh,
0: I'll get it, tom- I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it tomorrow. I'll get it
1: tomorrow. Next thing you know, it's Christmas Eve and you're at the
0: mall. <laughs> a couple years ago, I did that. I was like, I was literally at the Vancouver mall on Christmas Eve. Go team. It's not where
1: I want to be. <laughs> what do you have another one? Yeah, another one I got too is this could be watching Christmas movies or basketball or whatever, but especially in our house, you got whatever is on the TV. We're all kind of lounging. I'm eating my face off in PubMix by the handfuls, not even sharing with anybody. But the one thing that resonates with me is the Mannheim steam steamrollers steam rollers playing in the background. Mm. I feel like, I feel like as soon as we hit about. Early mid December, that starts playing on mom and dad's device on their speakers and that does not turn off any time of the day. <laughs> the get people
0: who, the people who know who the Mannheim steamrollers are, are fist pumping right now. Yep. You know how dope the Mannheim steamrollers are. They slap. They get so down. <laughs> My last one is, and I don't get it this year because I'm an adult now and I have work on the 26th, but when Christmas is over, and you know you don't have anything for the next week other than watching crappy bowl games. Like, li- literally, that's what you have planned for the entire next week. And then you have New Year's plan. Like, Christmas ends. Like, you're sad. Like, but we got New Year's. We still got one more holiday coming. I still don't have to put pants on. Like, I can still just live <laughs> off PubMix for the next – I still haven't showered in two seven, weeks. <laughs> exactly. You wear the same pajama pants for three days in a row.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, that when Christmas is over and you know you just have a week of – college football you usually have the last week of football the NFL in there um, so I'm gonna miss that this year I really am
1: yeah when that goes out the window that's a depressing time
0: 30 second fantasy complaints I'm very excited for this one from you I whooped Adams ass this year in the playoffs going to the championship feels good let me get the timer going are you are you ready? <laughs>
1: I got my timer. I mean, I'm just, I, I honestly just have to figure out real quick of which team to complain about the most because all three of my teams disappointed me. But you, are you yeah. Are yeah you gonna go? I'm going to, I'll start this, I'll start it over here because I need to make sure I am to a T with my time. Get you get your thoughts together. All right. Ready? Here we go. One of my leagues, I go on a seven game win streak just to flop and put up my worst performance of all season. So that was, that was one loss of my three. Next thing, you know, I play Nathan. I lose by, I put up my worst total by almost 40 points. Everybody gets hurt. Everybody doesn't do anything. It was the most frustrating Sunday of my life. So much, I had so much expectation. You had Keenan Allen get hurt. Aaron Jones get hurt. I misplaced Damian Williams. Marlon Mack was on. Matthew Barry's hateless. Didn't play him. Tyree kill. Nothing. Josh Gordon. Nothing. Every league. Nobody did anything.
0: (laughs) You did. You nailed that 30 seconds on the nose. God.
1: That That was frustrating. You know, like I said in our last podcast, I wasn't confident about it. I made the for everybody listening. I made the playoffs in all three leagues felt great. And all three of my teams put up arguably or not arguably, but either their top two worst performances all season Except one league I barely snuck out of victory and that's the league where it's a seven hundred and fifty dollar pot. So mm. I am a little pleased about that. There you go. But I digress I'll let you.
0: I've decided like it was awesome to beat you, and it's so funny how like we work because like I'm pumped to beat you, but I lost my other league and I find myself I'm more mad than happy this mm-hmm. week. Fantasy football is the absolute worst. I'll just say this really quickly. The league I lost in, it's a league with my college buddies. I went thirteen and zero. Did not lose one single game. I had scored two hundred more points more than anyone else in the league. I had scored one hundred and ten points in eleven straight weeks. I was in an absolute wagon. A first round buy. What do we do in the second round? My first game. Aaron Jones point eight point points. Adam Thielen one point nine points. Maher the uh, Cowboys kicker minus one mm-hmm. points. Mahomes has a season low. I put up seventy eight points and lose by six. That's first terrible. loss of the year. It's an Once, absolute travesty. One,
1: one thing I'll say though is I felt pretty stupid on Thursday night when the Chiefs, um, when Damian Williams just blew up. Yeah. But the one thing that kind of leveled it out was that I figured if I even had him in the starting lineup, other than Jones who I started, I still would have lost, lost you. Yeah. So that's my, that's my one. That's my piece of comforting information.
0: Yeah, I played against him in my other league, and he also had. Alshon Jeffrey, who had his best game of the year, and I still only lose by six. So if either yeah. of those guys don't go off, I still find a way to – which if there was any fantasy god, I still find a way to win last week considering how dominant I was. I'm. We're going down this road. Games of the weekend. <laughs> we're moving on.
1: Games of the weekend. Let's do it. All right. So this um, first one, we talk
0: about college. Is that what we do? That's what we do every single week. Some Some people forget.
1: You show me that stone that it's written on, but I'm going to start off with Florida international versus Toledo. The makers wanted Bahama bowl. Big one. Toledo favored by four and a half over under 58 and a half. Um, I got nothing really as to why this is exciting other than it's a bowl game and it's on the weekend and it's going to make me be planted on the couch. <laughs> so that is one of my games. And then my other one. I can't remember if this one's on Saturday, I could be wrong, but Hawaii versus uh Louisiana La Tech. hmm that one Hawaii's favored by one, and we got um sixty one and a half is the over under, but just a little mountain west action, so I'll probably tune into that one and sure. it's not too and it's not too late
0: i We usually list three games here. I listed one. I'm not gonna to pretend to be excited about these crappy bowl games. Am I going to watch them? You bet your ass I'm going to watch them. But I'm not going to be excited about it. Like, I'm not going to get thrilled for these crappy bowl games. So the one game that I have on here is Buffalo-Troy. Buffalo's 10-3. and 3, Troy's 9-3. and 3. The Dollar General Bowl. Buffalo's minus two. It's the best records between two ga- two teams playing this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I will say this. For those of you who signed up for the Reno Slant Bowl Mania on ESPN, you guys are awesome. I think there's about 30 of us. If you already made an entry but you aren't in the group yet, I think you can still get in there. And I will allow it as commissioner. $25 gift card to the stick up for grabs. A quick rundown of some contenders. In fourth place, Tipsy Mort. Nick. Co-founder of Tipsy Elves is in the group. He's in fourth place with 143. Thomas cerdick Uh, Reed Grad, now at UNLV Law, hooked it up with Las Las Vegas Bowl Tickets last week. He's in fifth place with 141. Ryan Timmerman is in third place with 144 points. In second place is Papa Slant. That is our father, everyone, if that (laughs) wasn't obvious. Papa (laughs) Slant in there at second. And in first place, after one week, you already know who it is. Your boy with 166 points in the 97th percentile. Sorry everybody, don't worry. He collapses every
1: year. So, did you not do uh confidence points? No, I did. I'm just on the lazier side. I don't like to. I get frustrated because you know when you try and move them, it always like messes up on the cursor, and I just get pissed. Yeah. So I'm the farthest I move them is about I don't know, like seven or eight spots. So every, okay. it's all pr- pretty early. Those are the early games. Obviously, are worth way less to me, but. I mean, I look at everybody's strategy years and dads and all these other guys. I, every year I think about it, I'm like, I need to make these games be worth the most because these are where people are picking them off and they're starting early. But I, yeah. I did the same old method.
0: Yeah, you are in right now. You're tied for 20th place. Right where with, I want to be. Right where I want to be. With 20 points. Not great. Okay, what are some games <laughs> you're looking forward to uh in the NFL this weekend?
1: Ooh, so I mistaked my notes and I just did college. I have college b- football and college basketball.
0: All right. So I'll, I'll, I'll let you, I'll let you lead the NFL. I'll take this one. Uh, so we got two on Saturday. So Saturday football again, Sunday red zone nine and three. So nine morning games, three afternoon games, not great, but better than last week. There's only two. I circled a few games Saturday. Uh, you have Washington at Tennessee, not a great one, but in the night game on Saturday, you have Baltimore at the Chargers. Ravens are 8 and 6, Chargers are 11 and 3. That one has all sorts of implications. The AFC has like, I don't know if you saw this, has like 16,000 possible playoff scenarios. I saw that, who can sneak in and who's out, and it's like, some teams can
1: clinch a first round bye, but can't also be eliminated. It's, it's wild what's going on there. It's
0: not, I mean, you, you rarely see a, a situation where the Chargers are in right now. Where mm-hmm. they're in the five spot, but they have a legit shot at the one seed. Like they're they're tied with the Chiefs. They need the Chiefs to lose to Seattle, and if they win out, Chiefs lose one more, they'll be the one side like that's such a wide range. You're either gonna be playing on the road the first week, or mm-hmm. you're gonna have the one seed have a bye and be at home through the playoffs. Like that that's a wild, wild swing, and the Ravens are actually in the sixth spot right now, so they're playing for a lot. Uh Pittsburgh at New Orleans. Little AFC NFC action. Pittsburgh eight five and one and still alive after being the Pats last week. The Saints twelve and two. It's the third week of December. I'm gonna say the Saints are my Super Bowl Super Bowl pick. I like them. I think they're gonna find a way to get it done. And the last game I have circled: Kansas City at Seattle. Chiefs eleven and three. Hawks eight and six. Both of them are coming off WTF losses. I mean, Hawks to San Francisco on the road, what the hell was that? Uh, uh, I'm surprised. Actually, no, this one is a Sunday. This is the Sunday night football game. It probably means more to the Chiefs, this one does, because they're hoping to hang on to the one not drop down to the five. Seahawks are looking pretty juicy for a playoff spot regardless, but those are the three. I won't make you look one up. Good prep work from you.
1: You know, the only game I'm focused in NFL this week is my fantasy matchup. Next week I'm back at it for week 17. But this week, Sunday's scary. Just need to close it out and win the league. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we'll jump into some Twitter questions now. Thank you to all of you guys who wrote in some questions, some really great ones from you guys. Again, uh, the first question from fake Matt Mummy. This was one, this was a great question. How would you power rank the Christmas top episodes of The Office. So I'll let you go with your first few, then I'll share mine. So
1: my first one was Christmas Party, season two. Mm-hmm. Uh That's the one. It was just er- early in the early in the show. A lot of the characters are still building, but that was when d- uh, uh, Michael, Michael buys the iPod, right? Michael buys the iPod, and you know they d- end up doing Yankee Swap. Everything Yankee. falls. Yankee Swap. Yeah, Mark. <laughs> Michael gets the, the oven mitt from Phyllis. You know, thanks for everything you did for the office all year, but I only appreciate you an oven's oven mitt enough. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, uh, but yeah, that one, that one was just one I funny. Michael at the alcohol at the liquor store is this enough to get 18 people plastered, 11 balls of vodka. Yeah. That yeah. should do that, it. That should do it. So that, that was my first one.
0: I had my first one. I have the Moroccan Christmas. Ooh. So season five. There is a bit of a dark element to it because a heavy, heavy element of that is Meredith's drinking problem. Like the entire episode is Michael trying to convince her to go to AA, and they try to do like an intervention for her. And the ending is such does a she, big... Doesn't she b- light her hair on fire or something? She lights her hair on fire in, in the conference room. But a huge moment at the end of that. Uh Do you know what happens at the end of that? Um, I remember, is it after Michael tries to take her to rehab and... This is, that's when, uh, Phyllis, or Angela calls Phyllis, calls Phyllis out, cause Phyllis knows that she's cheating on Andy with Dwight. Uh-huh. Angela says, I'm not doing this stuff for you anymore, cause you're not gonna do anything about it. Phyllis Ooh. drops the bomb to the office, and then Andy comes out with his thing and starts singing Deck the Halls, and everyone knows, and he does it. Oh my, yeah, it was so awkward, and nobody said anything. <laughs> he plays the song Deck the Halls." he's like, yeesh, tough room. Tough crowd. Tough crowd. <laughs> so I went Moroccan cross Christmas one. That is a good one. Uh My next one was the Benny
1: at Christmas. Oh, yeah. It was, when Michael proposes to Carol on like their third date or whatever, she obviously denies him. And then him and Andy get the dates from the restaurant. They bring it back to the office. And they like Michael takes the bike from the <laughs> gift donation and gives it to the girl.
0: He can't then, tell which one's which so he has to mark her arm.
1: Yes, he's has to arm which one. And then. Though I was – it was It was actually funny when I was reading this question last night, doing some research into this, and I was just laughing at some of the quotes of these episodes because I totally had forgotten about the scene when Dwight brings the duck into the office. <laughs> and then he's like, get the duck out of here. And Toby's telling him, like, oh, you can't bring the duck in. And Dwight's like, oh, this is different. The duck was already dead. He's like – "Yeah," And then he says, he goes, I accidentally ran it over. It's a Christmas yeah. miracle."
0: <laughs> it's funny you need research because when I got this question last night – I'm like, you know what? I ended up powering through like three or four Christmas episodes of The Office just to refresh nice. my memory. So nice. it actually was great. Um, the second one I had was the season two episode, the iPod episode. The last one I, I have in here is the Belschnickel episode. Schnickel. Um, impish or, uh, what was it? What's it?
1: What's he say? He says good in, or impish? Imp,
0: impish or, um, respect. It's not respectable. Oh, uh, what what is it?
1: Impish admirable. or admirable? Admirable. Tara <laughs>
0: just yelled it from the kitchen. She's nice. listening. <laughs> At a, girl t- At a girl, Tara. Impish or admirable? Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that that was an awesome question. Love the office. Absolute awesome show. The second part of the question was, um, if you were making a Hallmark Channel Christmas movie in Nevada, which town would your movie be set in?
1: You want to take this first? Or you want me to? What'd you come up with? Uh, yeah, on a real note, I put Gardnerville Minden area. Mm. Yeah, it's an older town. It's got some older buildings. Uh, it's got the mountain setting in the background. You know, if you're going to do it, it's going to be, it doesn't, it's not a bunch of super busy streets. So those hal- cheesy hallmark movies where people are like in the middle of the street and the snow's coming down. So yeah, I was thinking Gardnerville Minden.
0: That's a good one. Basically the question comes down to which one is most likely to have a horse casually trotting down the street. I feel like that's a staple yep. Yep. of of the Hallmark movie. I went with one a little outside the box. So I was thinking that too, like Fernley, mm-hmm. Fallon. Incline Village. You know they're going to have the snow. It's a much smaller town. You, the, the small town is a staple mm-hmm. of the Hallmark Christmas movie. Everybody knows uh, everybody. Everybody knows everybody. So I'm, I'm going with Incline Village, actually.
1: Good one. It's good. One.
0: Law of the Jungle N.V., favorite winter holiday drink. There were some funny responses to this one.
1: I, I did start to see that chain. <laughs> uh My my two go-to, uh, mine two would be Coffee and Bailey's. That's number one. Mm-hmm. I know you're not a big coffee guy. Coffee and Bailey's is f- fantastic. And then the other one, gin and tonic because you kind of get that pine, that pine taste. Gin's so the makes worst. You, makes you think of a Christmas tree. Yeah, so those are my two, gin and tonic and
0: coffee and Bailey's. So the response to this was hilarious because my initial response thought process was, Coors Light in mom and dad's garage, just like old times. <laughs> <laughs> Never gonna die. That'll, that'll Never forever. gonna die. Freezing freezing our ass off in the garage, drinking Coors Light. But uh I guess on a more serious note, I would probably go with eggnog. Love eggnog. I was looking for eggnog in mid-November, so I'd I'd probably just go straight up eggnog.
1: Hmm.
0: I still have yet to have any this year. I've had a couple, and it was amazing. <laughs> John Schaup, a.k.a. Papa Slant, a.k.a. in second place in the Reno Slant Bowl Mania group. Which team did you put your max 41 points confidence on for Bowl Mania, and why? And conversely, who got your one-point confidence pick? So I don't know if you know who you – I mean, you probably have the last game because you didn't really oh, I, do it.
1: Yeah, I got. I, I know who my most confident, my least – well, most points, least points was – who? Uh, well the most is Clemson over Notre Dame. Okay. Because I am strong and will never budge that Notre Dame is a joke. Um, then my least points is North Carolina a- A&T versus Alcorn
0: State Braves. That was a big one for me. And you got that one wrong, right? Yeah, I got, I think I got that one.
1: No, I think I got that one right. I think it was my two and my six point I got wrong, but.
0: The game I gave my most confidence. And was Bama over Oklahoma? I just cannot see Oklahoma hanging around with Bama. I mean, Clemson, Notre Dame, I have there. Uh, I think I gave that one forty points mm-hmm. as well, thirty-nine. And my fortieth in the more Ge- I looked is it at George? It, is it Georgia, Texas? Georgia over Texas is thirty-eight. I actually have Alabama over the over ultimate Clemson, and I don't love it. Cause it's cause it's Clemson and they've beaten Bama before, but Bama is mm. just a frickin' wagon. Yeah. They're so, too good. The game I gave my least points to is happening right now as we record San Diego State, Ohio. I just have zero faith in the San Diego State team this year. A weird year for them. They had injuries. They had some weird losses. They lost to Nevada. Certainly I picked San Diego State and as we record, they're down 17 nothing at halftime to Miami, Ohio. So those are the two,
1: two and a half point, two
0: and a half point favorites. Yeah. From Chad Hartley, good friend of the show, best approach to white elephant gift exchange. So I've only been involved
1: in, I think, maybe one of these. Mm -hmm. So, So my, my approach was just stay as quiet as I can and stay out of sight, out of sight, out of mind. Nobody really knows what I have. And then when the, when the moment's right, that's when you kind of attack. Cause everybody else kind of, if you, I mean, if you think back to that office episode, of Yankee swap, there was the chirpers, the people who are loud talking a lot. Ooh, ah, uh, sure. look at the, and then there's the people who sit back. So that's my, that would be my method is just kind of chill back and then strike when you're ready.
0: See, I took a different angle on this. I was thinking like, what do you get? Oh, like, what, what, what do you buy? And oh, okay. I went with, uh, you just buy a thong. That's it. Straight up buy a thong. If it's funny, you were the one that got it. If it's inappropriate or some weirdo gets it, you have no idea who got it. Sink back (laughs) in the darkness.
1: Or you could just be the guy that just buys a present that's way above the dollar limit and just watch everybody get all up in arms about it. Like an iPod. Exactly. I wonder how much an iPod now would compare.
0: You can never go wrong, though, with just a a bottle of wine, bottle of whiskey, a couple shot glasses. It's not as fun, though. Buy a thong there it is uh from lemieux lawler's hype music seems to be a bit off this year how would you fix it have you noticed did you notice anything um to me not really i mean mm-hmm. i
1: maybe i haven't really been paying i haven't focused that much in on the music maybe i need to but to me it sounds like it's been all right there's been a they've started to play a little uh the last game that some more leaning more towards rap aggressive music. I I yeah I heard some
0: people say they played Mo Bamba a couple times.
1: Yeah yeah so I thought that was fine. Um I got idea. I'll let you
0: take I'll let you take that one. We need to play the Reno Slant intro music. Ooh. Lights go down phones come out. This is the Reno Slant. Bow, meow, meow. We need a new we're intro still, music. We're still not talking about the Loyola Show game. <laughs> still not talking about it. Uh, Kai Dolla Sign what do you think about the Lee transfer and how much of an impact will it make for future recruits that must tries to get here? So, Vincent Lee, redshirt freshman announced yesterday that he will be transferring out of the program. How much of an impact will that make for future recruits that must tries to get here? I don't know. I mean, I mean, I've said this year, I think the biggest Marker that maybe future recruits are looking at is how Musk handles Jordan Brown, a five-star McDonald's All-American, and he hasn't been playing a ton. Some games more than others. He's certain certainly taking a little bit to get his legs under him and, and, you know, carve out his role. And I think how Musk handles Jordan Brown is going to say a lot more about the recruits that Musk is trying to go after, because he's going after these four-star kids, these five-star kids, McDonald's All-Americans. Like that's, he's made it clear that those are the kids he's trying to recruit to Nevada. So I would say how Jordan Brown progresses, in terms of playing time and skill level, wh- is going to have more to say about for future recruits than than Vincent Lee um transferring out. Blake asks, since you guys are not in the know, <laughs> why is Vincent why is Vincent Lee transferring? Because Musk told him he's not going back next year, so he said, "I'm out." Also, shut up. <laughs> No, he saw the writing on the wall. He wasn't going to get there. Wasn't a lot of minutes for him to be had next year either, maybe even the year after. And he said, "I don't want to sit around and wait for two years and you know finally start seeing minutes my my redshirt junior year." Uh, I, I think that is fairly obvious. I mean, there might be other reasons that we certainly are not aware of, but I think playing time next year didn't look promising for him. That means by the third year in college, he's finally maybe has a chance to be a, a key contributor. Mm-hmm. So for me, I, I think it comes down to minutes. Again, at Blake, as you pointed out, we're not necessarily in the know, but we we can tell tell ourselves that we are. It makes us feel important. Blake also asks, with signing day being today twelve nineteen, which early signing player are you most excited about? So, Adam, I know that you are plugged into Nevada recruiting news.
1: Super plugged in. <laughs>
0: Uh, we've talked about it before that recruiting is just not going to be a strong suit of this podcast. We did talk about Kyrie Walker a little bit last week. So I did a little digging around and by a little, I mean very little. There's a couple kids from Texas. Anytime you get anyone from Texas, I mean, Norvell's made it clear that he's going out, he's going to Texas. He's going to Florida. He's going to the South. He's trying to get guys from those talent rich areas. Couple guys from the same high school in Lufkin, Texas. Braylon Garcia and Javecia Brunson. For no other reason that they played in the same defensive line in high school and they're probably going to be beasts. Welcome to the pack. So I'll go with those two. Blake also asks, outside of the Reno slant, which podcast would must or which podcast should be added to a must listen? We've talked about this a little bit before. You're probably going to go, pardon my take. Yeah,
1: definitely on a more comedic. Sports uh scene, but that—that's the one I listen to every, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You listen to that regularly, huh? Oh yeah. It's way. It's how I start my day. I get to work at like six thirty, so I gotta have something yeah, going.
0: I have not listened to it nearly as much. I still listen to it occasionally. My go-to now is the Bill Simmons podcast. Dude's hilarious. He's incredibly insightful. He's a legend for a reason. When I listen, to, when I do go to the gym in the mornings part of the reason is so that I can listen I have time to listen to the podcast. So you so, don't listen to the podcast. To the Bill Simmons podcast? Oh, I see what you did there. I'm putting some LBs on, bro. Getting <laughs> ready for that pub mix. <laughs> no, so I'll, I'll go I'll go Bill Simmons. Uh probably one that definitely needs to get added. Are there any other ones? A non What about the one. what about, about
1: Rosillo? I haven't been listening listen to that his one? as much.
0: I haven't been listening to his as much recently, but definitely okay. the Bill Simmons one and a non sports one for you guys if you're looking for something like just inspiration monday wednesday friday the school of greatness lewis Howes, and just like it gets you fired up every single morning he has like titans of industry from a million different industries has them on every single week and basically says like why are you successful and they kind of share their stories and you notice some common themes between different different people so that's a lot of fun so i'll go i'll go those two
1: there's there's actually one there's actually one more i'll add real quick um if anybody it's this is where it gets the account the account inside of me. It's optimal no, no. finance. Optimal finance daily. The short little podcast. They're about they're about fifteen minutes
0: or less. Yeah, exactly. Sleeper, but they're good. They usually have like weird, no, not a sleeper. Weird, I legit fell asleep listening to you talk about accounting podcasts.
1: It's just personal finance. If anybody wants a Blake, if that's what you're interested in, optimal finance daily.
0: <laughs> Moving on. Clark asks, January 9th versus San Jose State could provide significant minutes for the bench. Hey, we were just talking about this. Which bench player is most likely to step up? Mizray, Henson, or Jordan Brown? I'd say Jordan Brown just because he
1: can, you know, factor in the game in ways that's not just putting up points or stat line stuff. He's just a big, big body. I would also um, go Jordan Brown.
0: He's someone we've seen play minutes this year. We know how talented it is. We're starting to see flashes of it. I I would absolutely say Jordan Brown, but if we can see Nisray or Corey Henson start hitting some jumpers, uh not gonna be mad about it. (laughs) Not even not even a little bit.
1: We'll we'll take it all day.
0: Jared asked this is the last one who's a better shooter between you and me and who wins in a game of horse. When's the last time when's the last time we went and shot hoops? you and i oh yeah years probably
1: back in high school i would assume
0: so we talked about doing the punt pass kick competition when we're home i don't know if we're gonna have time to do punt pass kick and horse because you know we have to go to the high school and shoot in the gym because it's gonna be pouring the entire time we're there i don't know who's the better better shooter i'll say me just because i'm better at most things pretty much everything and that's not a stretch yeah, let's do that.
1: That's I was gonna. I was gonna like let you, you see how far. I was gonna let you see how far you could go on that. Now, what would happen is that each time we would play, it'd be a coin toss. I think you and I are both equally bad at basketball. We're both at the same level of terribleness. My um, chocolate. That... Like... <laughs> so every Make shot it is th- three points behind the or three feet behind the arc and not even close. <laughs> but yeah, I would I would say probably be a coin toss each time we play. Yeah. But yeah. I maybe I give it to you because the height you got a couple inches right. on me.
0: You're probably right. The last question, this is actually the last one, from Andrew. We already answered this one, though. Adam and Nathan, eggnog, yay or nay?
1: It wasn't on my list, but yay.
0: Big time yay. Big time yay. Random Reno, and then we'll get out of here. Um, I'll let you go first. What What'd you find?
1: So the bowling stadium downtown was the site of the final bowling showdown scenes in the movie – kingpin
0: oh i didn't know that that's a good one Mm-hmm. that's a really good one
1: don't ask me if i've seen it because i haven't
0: <laughs> many of you know that highway 50 it's going east basically from reno to salt lake we've done that drive is known as the loneliest road highway. in america doing highway 50 or
1: highway 8, i-80 is it highway 50 80 is the one that goes from san francisco all the way east to salt lake city
0: so you're an idiot it is it is reno to to salt lake is at least the stretch that is i mean it goes all the way to the coast but did you know when or how it got its name
1: i am not aware
0: it got its name in 1986 in life magazine so there you go it's very important knowledge for you
1: (laughs) what a what a publication (laughs)
0: And that is our show this week. Thank you to every single one of you who continue to listen and support this show. Last week was our biggest week since we launched. Uh, a really big Thursday and then some big days to follow. We're so, so grateful for all of you guys. Thank you to Brad Platt, president of Strength in the Pack, for coming on the show. Make sure that you check out their site, their social media. If you haven't yet, they're doing a tremendous uh, thing right now. I mean, it's a tremendous cause uh, to help. You know, fun, humorous University about Nevada athletics. And if you have $7.75 a month to spare, a uh, pretty good spot to send it. Thank you to JAG0685 for the iTunes 5-Star Review of the Week. Don't forget that if you want to be in the running for iTunes 5-Star Review of the Week, all you have to do, for those of you listening on iTunes, just scroll down to the bottom of our landing page, spend 10 seconds, put, put type in a little iTunes 5-Star Review for us, and you're in the running. Maybe we'll shoot you a dollar on Venmo next week. You can reach us on Twitter at Shop Nathan, at Shop Adam, or at TheRenoSlant. You can also email us, TheRenoSlant at gmail.com. Tip on Saturday evening at Lawler between Nevada and Akron, 4 p.m. It's on ESPN3. Have a great weekend, everyone. Have a great Christmas. If you're going to be like the Shout Brothers and partaking in some adult beverages, take an Uber to church on Christmas Eve. See you guys next week. Go back.
1: Thanks for listening to the Reno slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans until next time. And we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.